You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, Seth Rogen. Like the Seth Rogen. Freaks and Geeks Seth Rogen. Pineapple Express Seth Rogen came by the studio the other day. He was uh, in town promoting his new movie, Sausage Party, which is out on August 12th. And then we head to the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen, where we check in with our resident mad food scientists, Emil Stonic and Brad Leone, uh, to learn about what they've been curing and fermenting and cooking up lately. Uh, but right now, let's check in with Seth Rogen. But before we do, just want to warn you, there might have been a few bad words tossed about, uh, maybe perhaps a little discussion about uh, marijuana and such. Uh, I mean, it's Seth Rogen after all. All right, let's do this. All right, Seth. So I saw Sausage Party the other night at a screening. I felt like I felt like there should have been a warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it goes very far. I think one of the things that we like as filmmakers, we talk a lot about escalation uh in our work and we really very few movies are unpredictable these days, and especially comedies. And so we really work hard to try to make our movies have twists and turns and just generally go in directions that no rational person would think the movie would be going in. Which you, which and, you guys definitely did with like this is the end. Yes, which, I think yeah that that was. The, you will go to some dark places and super bad. You'll go to some emotional places. Yeah, uh, and but this one, I mean, excuse my French, but it was just it was kind of fucking crazy. I was like, it's crazy. whoa, <laughs> like crazy deep existential quandaries and violence yeah. and graphic sex. Yes, <laughs> very graphic. Uh, I mean, I think. That we've worked on this movie for so long that you and Evan, your partner, me and Evan, um, me and uh, we actually, me and Jonah Hill came mm. up with the idea around ten years ago, yeah. I think. And then, where where exactly were you? We were at dinner, oddly enough. <laughs> um, my wife remembers it. I don't because I have a terrible memory because I've ravaged my brain. But I, uh, she claims she remembers. Well, I think what it was actually is. When we were promoting Knocked Up and Super Bad, people always ask, what movie are you guys working on? And as a joke, we would say Sausage Party because it just sounded like what journalists <laughs> expected whatever our next movie <laughs> was going to be. Um, and then I think just as a joke, we would start talking about like, well, what would that movie be? What would it be about? Oh, well, it'd be in a grocery store. It'd be about a sausage. And... On a parallel conversation we were always having was that we just wanted to make an animated movie. We loved animated movies always. We love The Simpsons. We love South Park. You know, we love Pixar movies, Toy Story movies are some of my favorite movies of all yeah. time. And so we really, for years, had been talking about trying to make kind of like our version of like a Pixar style movie. And then these two ideas kind of converged basically. So at what point did it l stop being a joke and start being an actual, hey, we can actually do this. We can make a movie. It takes years usually, honestly. With our with our better movies, it takes a really long time to take them from like an idea we joke around about into something that is actually a movie. And on a deeper level, like what is the idea that is going to keep us genuinely invested in this movie for the next like decade because that's how long it'll take to make. And that's where this kind of like theological kind of idea came from and the gist being when not to ruin it for you listeners out there but <laughs> that when the when the, the foodstuffs get picked up off the shelves by the gods us humans they think they're being taken to the great beyond this wonderful nirvana yes 
But it turns out, as we see, that like your friendly potato guy actually gets peeled alive yeah. and thrown in a boiling pot, and, and, the, and the hot dogs get stabbed with giant chef's knife. <laughs> exactly. and they're screaming, and they're like, "Oh my god!" It's horrific. Uh, and we found that that was a very good analogy for human existence yeah. in a lot of ways, potentially. And and it really, you know, because then we start to think like, okay, food wouldn't assume it gets devoured, um, yeah. you know. So what does it think? Well, it would probably think something good happens and why would it think that and then we started to realize all these parallels between you know our kind of culture and society and belief system and what food's belief system might be and that is what really led us into thinking like oh this could be more than just like a talking hot dog movie it could actually maybe be kind of like have some theological ideas to it basically. and then and it's also because then you also have there's a lot of um stereotypes if you will mm-hmm. there's the <laughs> There's the there's the Mexican tequila model. Yes. There's the Woody Allen esque Jewish bagel guy uh-huh. who's having a issues with the the Middle Eastern lavash. Yes, that, exactly. That flappy fuck, as someone calls him. Yes. <laughs> um, when did that element come in, and how did you and Evan stuff decide like how far can we push this? How much shit are we going to get? Especially in this age of Trump yeah. and everything, what was what was your thoughts on how far to go with that stuff? Um, it was for sure a trial and error process. I mean. I think you can't do that in a movie if that's not part of the central idea of the movie. You know, since the movie itself is about uniting people who are divided, making people overcome their belief systems and their prejudices against one another and their notions against who they are and how they should interact with other people with different beliefs and who are from different places. Um, once we kind of embrace that as the idea, then I think it gave us some more license to lean into some of those ideas because ultimately we are commenting on them and we yeah. are saying that it is bad <laughs> to be doing it. And obviously there's fun to be had and there's jokes that I think even the butt of them can appreciate. I mean, I'm Jewish and there's a huge amount of <laughs> Jewish <laughs> jokes in the movie play. And the bagel is played by someone who is not Jewish, but did so, a remarkably good yes, job. Who did a Jewish. very good job. And so I think again, since, I mean, what we were able to tell ourselves to make ourselves not feel like horrible <laughs> bigots basically was that since the overall message of the movie is to look beyond these things, to not, you know, focus on these artificial differences that are kind of constructs of our own society or of our own invention anyway, and to see that we are all the same and there are united things that we could, you know, there are things we could be uniting against that would be much more constructive than us fighting amongst one another, you know, since that's the overall idea, it allowed us, I think, to go into, you know, slightly more subversive areas with that. How prepared are you to engage with those people who give you a lot of shit in this this group or that group? I'm 100% willing to engage with any uh, of that type, of, uh, with anyone, honestly, yeah. about anything. <laughs> How often when you make a movie like this one, are you making the movie... And you're like, oh, man, I wonder what my mom would think about this scene. <laughs> my mom specifically is not the best barometer for that. She is a very dark uh, – her her favorite movies growing – when I was growing up were Die Hard and Total Recall. And so <laughs> I really think that – my mom loves R-rated action movies like more than anything. And I actually think that's why our movies and our work have so much action in it. How much time did you spend in supermarkets researching this film? Quite a bit, actually. We would 
go around. There's Ralph's in Los Angeles. It's open 24 oh, yeah. hours, and we would. Me and Evan would spend some time wandering around Ralph's. Like, what sort of what sort of notes were you taking? What I, think were you you just, I think you were just kind of like the layout of the stores, the different aisles, mm. the different sections. I mean, that's where we saw like the frozen food section. You're like, oh, that could be these kind of ice cliffs, and like the, you know, the cooking supply section would be. Oh, oh yeah. that was always weird. You're always that like, would be a horrific section. Exactly. They saw pots and pans in the grocery store. That's what I always think in the gro- in that section. But like. I always think like, who's buying a pan in a grocery yeah. store? But um, so yeah, we it it was just kind of that as you know, it's a journey. The movie ultimately through the store, so we would go through grocery stores and just kind of write down ideas as to like what stops they can make on their journey. Basically, what about uh, observing the employees of the grocery stores? <laughs> that was also. I mean, there are some employee characters in the movie yeah most of them are teenagers who just <laughs> could give a shit about working in the store they want nothing less than to be in there they do seem to have disdain for the food yeah. itself <laughs> i think just because inherently one develops disdain for whatever it is they're working around if they don't like their job that much and so yeah that that came from some of those trips as well <laughs> do, 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 do you have a favorite aisle it's a good question i was, what's funny is when i was uh in Canada, grocery stores don't sell alcohol. Like, mm. you have to go to a liquor store for that. And so when I was a kid, I was always so fascinated by the liquor aisle in grocery yeah, stores. Yeah. And I think that's why in the movie there is, like, a liquor aisle sequence. It's kind of like Mardi Gras. Yeah, Orleans, that kind basically. of I, – uh, I grew up in Washington, D.C., but yeah. I went to school in California. And when I got to San Diego, where I went to school for a couple of years, and went to a Ralph's for the first time. Yeah. A, the supermarkets there are massive. They're huge. Like you could drive down the aisle. Yeah, they're gigantic. Every yeah. fruit and vegetable imaginable. And then there's these giant wine and beer and liquors. Yeah. like, what? You can buy booze? Yeah. In a, in a, I was like – I know it totally blew my mind too. Is it not like that everywhere? In the, is there some no. states where it's not well, def- like that? Well, a lot. I mean, it's interesting. Like, definitely well, not where I grew up in DC. And then yeah. you've had those states like, um, like there, Virginia, there's and, like dry and, counties, and, and Massachusetts and stuff, where you have to go to a package store or a yeah, state yeah. ordinance liquor store to buy liquor. Like, yeah. there's no liquor stores yeah. unless it's government run. That's how it is in Canada, kind of, which yeah. feels weirdly communistic. But I don't know. Yeah, that's why we have it in Canada. That's why you, that's why you <laughs> move. Yeah, um, you're a. Uh, you're looking pretty slim these days. Thank you. And you, so, people will just have to take your word. For yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, paint a picture. People are just thinking he doesn't sound thin. I know you. I know. I know. That, I know you talked about when you did Green Hornet, which yeah. I, I I really enjoyed that film. Thank you. Um, uh, you got you had to get in superhero shape for that. Mm-hmm. Um, how sort of diet conscious have you been since that film? Do you kind of go off? Do you, are there getting fit periods for films or I'm just at the age now in my mid 30s where like if I I can't believe you're 30 what 34 <laughs> I'm 34 yeah. I thought you were like my age I thought you were like 46 and I wanted I, 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 I people assume I am. you're born in 1982 I was I like was. That, I was, how is that possible <laughs> I've been around a long time you have you're like one of those supermodels that's like 34 exactly. years that, old that, I like, started I, when I was really young. yeah <laughs> um uh, yeah but now I'm at the age where literally if I don't exercise and eat better i just feel terrible all the time i'm just like in physical pain i get heartburn i get headaches i have inflammation i i can't have nightshades middle-aged jewish man exactly some foods are too acidic (laughs) they hurt they give me like yeah it's it's a nightmare and my dad like warned me he's like when i turned 35 (laughs) my body fell apart (laughs) he's like it was as though someone shot me out of a cannon into a wall and that's exactly what happened to me (laughs) who um who does the cooking? You or your wife, Lauren? We home. both cook. Uh, 
Uh, we both cook. Do you have a like a go-to dish? I or... barbecue a lot. I have a smoker as well. Oh, you got a smoker? What yeah. kind? A big green egg. Oh, those are yeah, those are awesome. They're really good. Yeah. I make, are you like a brisket guy, ribs uh, yeah, guy? Yeah, I make brisket and ribs, and uh, yeah, mostly brisket and ribs. Brisket's oh. kind of like the the crown jewel of smoking. <laughs> it's also great because it's it's sort of like like getting back to a sausage party. It it connects. It's, it does. It's, it's like Roy Jewish, but it's yes, also Roy it, Texan. It is exactly. <laughs> you know, bringing people together. Are you like a uh, are you like a smoothie guy or like what's your no. healthy sort of thing that you do? That's the problem. Is I hate smoothies and juices mm. and all that stuff, and so. I can't. I just. I. I'll, I'll eat salad sometimes. It's a <laughs> it always feels like a loss when you're eating a salad. It feels like you just couldn't come up with something better. And you're like, Honey, you need to finish this. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but we. I don't know. Fish. We grill fish. Yeah. And stuff like that. I like sushi a lot. I grew up. I, I. I eat a lot of like Asian food. Some of which is healthy. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It's, uh, and, and also the fact that a being in California, you're introduced. I think so many more cuisines, sort of take root in California before finding their way to the rest of yeah. the country. Well, I grew up in Vancouver where it is like a huge Asian yeah. uh, population of all sorts. So I grew up eating a lot of Vietnamese and Korean and Japanese and, you know, um, all sorts of various Asian foods. Um, what about your fitness routine? I just stretch. <laughs> stretch? <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> I stretch in the mornings. <laughs> all right. It's time for... Lightning round. Lightning round. That's exciting. You got either or questions. Okay, great. All right, let's start. Nachos or poutine? Um, I'm going to say, I know it's sacrilegious against my people, but I'm going to say nachos because I just love, nachos are my dad's favorite food. And we will, we would, growing up, we would drive to like a sports bar an hour outside <laughs> of Vancouver because he decided they had the best <laughs> nachos. And he likes nachos so much that, yeah, like there are restaurants that we would exclusively go to because my dad, who's like a very picky eater, um, and he's a vegetarian, so it's hard for him uh. to find food sometimes. But he's not a healthy vegetarian. <laughs> no, not, no, no, no. Because no. nachos are his yeah. favorite food. How do, how do the Rogan boys take their nachos? A lot of cheese. He's very yes. specific. A lot of things, just jalapenos, <laughs> sour cream, no meat, obviously, because he's will a you do? Will you do meat if you're well, not Well, I think that? because I grew up eating vegetarian nachos, I now think it's weird to have meat on my nachos, and so I don't. Yeah. Ralph's or Whole Foods? I live really close to a Whole Foods, so at a sheer proximity, I go there. It's ridiculously expensive. I don't think that you ever spend less than $80 no, in Whole no, Foods, no, no. no matter what you're buying. Okay, this is indica or sativa? A weed question. Yeah. I, uh, it depends. I'd say most of the time, a sativa. Which way is that up or down? That's more upper. That's more upper, yeah. I, I'm got, kind sh of, I got shit to do. I'm kind of a I'm a busy guy. Um, kielbasa or Italian? That's a good question. Kielbasa being, is that Polish? Yeah, the Polish kind of, usually smoked kind of red. I yeah, like kielbasa. So. I'm going kielbasa. Not good for the heartburn, though. Not at all. No, but no. you're going to just do it. I, you know, you just got to suck it up sometimes. Take that, whatever it's called, Valtrex, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, Valtrex. on that note. Is that note for herpes? <laughs> I've, I've been taking the wrong stuff for my heartburn. <laughs> no wonder why. <laughs> exactly. My lips look amazing, though. You're professionally funny. Yes. <laughs> Kings or Canucks? Canucks. 
Come yeah, on. But I'm the Kings are there. They had quite great. the following. Yes, and Wayne Gretzky played for the Kings. But I grew up. I don't. I actually, I'd be lying if I even pretended I cared about sports mm. in any capacity, really. But I don't want to piss off my friends from Vancouver. So I'll all right, you got there. a spaceship to ex- uh, uh, escape planet Earth as it's ex- exploding. Yeah. Um, you can take one person with you: James Franco or Jonah Hill. Sophie's choice. <sighs> It's tough. I'm going to take Franco, honestly. Jonah will understand. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah gets why. <laughs> I wish I, I would take both of them, honestly. That was a joke. Gummy or brownie? Gummy or brownie? Gummy. And you can buy those now in California, Yeah, basically. everywhere, yeah. And everywhere. they let you know how much whatever they got in there and everything? The problem with weed food in general, I was on Snoop Dogg's podcast recently, no, which no, was a very as, similar experience. As one does, yeah. And, um, we brought we he asked me if I ate weed food and I said no and I asked him if he does and he said nah man you know why weed food ain't got no off switch interesting <laughs> and that's true because you don't know how long it's gonna last I know if I smoke weed how long it'll last and like, it well, like but why what do you mean you know like why why is because it you just because when you eat weed food you don't know if you're gonna be stoned for like the next two days yeah. or the next like three hours and you don't know when it's gonna kick in and even though they do try to dose it out it's completely inaccurate there's no concern. oh really oh yeah it's because usually when you buy them I'm not like a edible guy but normally when you buy them it does it su- supposedly says how much. It supposedly does, but I I I found there's very little consistency. Wow, we should do an expose yeah. on that. I should exactly. Uh, all right, last question: butter or olive oil? Olive oil, man. Yeah, yeah. I was just in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was in the Puglia region of Italy, where all the olive oil comes from, and I'm I'm a convert. <laughs> there's all right, nothing you can do with uh, butter that you can't do with olive oil. Seth Rogen, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs> There are jars of things on the table, and there's a big roll of paper towels. That, that concerns me. You know, you can never have enough paper towels. That's true, actually. Especially in the kitchen. There might have been an accident before you came, before <laughs> you joined spilled, us. I spilled beer all over Brad. I'm um, sorry. Emil, in front of you is, I don't know, this looks like a jar of pickled peppers. Hey, not my jar, not my problem. That's Brad's. <laughs> oh, really? That's Brad. I'll gladly tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, it does, that doesn't look that unusual, but am I wrong? No, I wouldn't call it unusual. Pretty usual around here. It's... um. Sliced up Fresno peppers. I seed them all. Uh, I put two or three cherries in it, a couple cardamom pods, and uh, just a little salt and water. There's a little recipe. It's a lacto-fermentation. No vinegar, but when it's done two weeks later, you can see the little bubbles coming up from the bottom. It's cloudy on the bottom. Yep, that's just a little natural sediment. And uh, the color picked up, you know, it's drawing the colors out from Uh the the vegetables and the fruit. It's kind of like a pinkish-orange cloudy water. But what, what is it? It's it's just peppers and cherries, and then no, I get that. But what are you making? Well, you can use that just as like a put it as a condiment as a, on a sandwich on a you know pretty much on anything, uh, just like a tangy little sweet little hot kind of pepper. Yeah, but what I do is I'll I'll strain it, keep some of the liquid, and then put all the peppers in to a blender, add some of the liquid back in just a little bit, puree it really nice, and uh, it's it's hot sauce. But typically, if you're pickling like peppers, you use vinegar, right? Well, this technically, I guess, isn't a pickle. 
So, I, so no, what no, no, is no, no, it? No. It, is, it is. It is a pickle. Lacto ferment pickle. I, I, like there's a whole thing. Can you about explain the to board? me lacto ferment? I hear that all the time, but I don't exactly know what it means. I'm not introducing any bacteria or yeasts from like an outside source. Everything that's in the pepper already, it already has microorganisms uh-huh. living in it and stuff like that. Right. And then when you put it in a solution, it uh, creates an environment where it can start to thrive and start to ferment. Uh-huh. So basically, you have like you have like you have this salt water solution and in that like the ambient yeast and bacteria that you want in there that are either on the pepper or just in the air that are going to help the good bacteria they're going to ferment it and lead to like tasty tangy flavors are going to thrive and then all of the what are called putrefying bacteria cannot, cannot thrive and and those right. die so you so you don't that's the reason it's not rotting like, if you just put those in water, they'd be rotting. Okay. And then what's the deal with the cherries? Why do you add the cherries? I, I don't know che- about the cherries. The cherry I just thing. add for, it's just a little twang to it. Adds uh, a little, a little sweetness, acidity? a little a color. Uh-huh. Eh, we'll see what happens. And then in terms of the heat level of Fresno chilies, what, what, where, where do they land on the Scoble? I mean, Scoble, is that correct? Scoble? Scoble? Yeah. Scoble scale? I mean, the number, I'm not quite sure on those, but they're not. it's kind of similar to, like, a jalapeno. Okay. So it's not super hot. But it's got, it's, it's got some butter. It's got a little heat. And it, but it's got a nice floral flavor. It makes it great. So I like hot sauce. I, I don't want it to where it's overpowering. I just want a good flavor, a little bit of heat. What do you like to? What are some things that you like to put hot sauce on that is are atypical, perhaps, or you might not expect? Atypical. Ooh. You know? Do you? Mm. It, yeah. Do you, do you do anything? Put on anything surprising? I like to put it in beer, like a cold, like Corona or Modelo or something. Just like a couple of splashes, sure. with, with some lime juice, Michelada style, I mean, on ice yeah. or not on ice. Uh, you know, I mean, it depends. Like on ice, I'm trying to make it nice. But if not, like, I'll just wow, put, is that what, I'll just is put, that your line? I know it's not. I just as that came out of my mouth, I realized how You're stupid like, it sounded. Yeah, I'll put it um, on like a little, like a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Really? Ooh, you know, it's get a little right, crazy. Like you know? No, ha- well, you have you actually done? I've that done it. It's nice. Wait, on with the peanut jelly, butter, peanut butter and jelly with the jelly meal. That's weird. It's a little but weird. because like Knowlton had that thing in the magazine where he was, he does like Andrew Knowlton, our restaurant editor, takes rice cakes peanut butter and then does a sriracha. a sriracha drizz on top of yeah. them which is i get that that's kind of like a saute spicy peanut yeah, yeah, buttery sort sense. of thing like and it's saucy you know it's like it's a yeah. saucy hot sauce do you ever like. do you ever do well what about hot sauce on like anything sweet or like fruit you know Ooh, some grilled oh, peaches yeah. with a little hot sauce and oh, or like kind of like mexican fruit salad style sometimes you get like, like the chili them. in there or chili or yeah, salt like or chili stuff. some like you know little lime juice, some you know, salt, and then a It's not bad sauce. on corn on the cob, either. Ooh, hello. Oh, yeah. But yeah, grilled peaches or grilled like, mango yeah, or something, stuff like that, that sort of stuff, good. I think would be nice. Yeah. Like I said, for me, it's I like to keep, you know, this, the second word, it's a sauce, and I don't I don't yeah. want it to just be a big hot burn well, your mouth. And that's the nice thing about fermenting it, too, is you get kind of all of those, like, you get a little bit of, like, funk and a little umami and a little bit of saltiness in addition to kind of the heat. You know, you've got heat, acidity. Oh, yeah, you want to try something? Brad else? just produced. Is this... Is this what we're looking at? Yeah. You just produced, you have a little bottle that used to be like, what, what, this was an actual regular hot sauce bottle at some point? Yeah, I purchased it. You took it. the label off? What, 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 no, it's a, oh. it's a, bought it's it, just, it all just, out. just a bottle. It's for it, yeah. Um, it's a nice bright orange, yeah. but with some earthiness to it. It's, you know what I don't like? I don't like dried chili based hot sauces that really? have that smoky sort of like you don't southwestern. Like that at all, ever? Like, never. Like no. Chipotle really? kind of. Yeah, I don't like the Chipotle sort of like that sort of huh. like. I, I get just, into it. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I like. You know. I like a brighter. I love the bright acidic sort of. You might like this. It depends on the application, though. No. Oh, this is nice. It's really nice. It's fruity. It's fruity. Yeah. It's fruity, but heat. I really like that That's a lot. That's a different recipe. That's cherry peppers and hibiscus tea. 
Oh, interesting. Oh, so this is not the exact walk. Not the but exact same, walk. same, same, same process. exact same process. You know, what I really like is when you're in the Caribbean, you get the the yellow hot sauce. You know, you're like a mango based hot oh, sauce. Oh, yeah. uh huh. Yeah, sure. I, I, I like those. Like I said, I like the fruity but spicy hot right. sauces. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, Emil, what do you what do you got going on besides drinking a beer and talking about hot sauce? Well, well, Brad and I are working on a little project together. Yeah, a little collab. Because uh, mm. so my girlfriend Lauren, her dad, Kurt. Is a marine biologist. He catches. He studies tuna, so he has to go out on fishing boats and catch bluefin tuna to Whoa. do like weird research on them. Whereabouts? What? Where he's like off the. Uh, he, he's based in San Diego. Okay. But he goes all. He goes to the Galapagos. He goes everywhere. Anyway, talking so tuna. Kurt texts Lauren. Says just caught this Pacific bluefin tuna, which I'm pretty sure you're not really supposed to catch necessarily, but this is for science. Yeah. So that's good. Caught it. Asked her if she wanted 30 pounds of tuna overnighted. Did he say how heavy the tuna was before? I didn't. I saw the, a picture of it, and it's like, hold, it is like the size of his, like from like his like knee to his head. Okay. So it's a big, it's a big tuna. Not so he sent all this tuna. A few years ago, I worked on a story. A few years ago, I worked on a story about like dried and fermented fishy things. Mm. And one of them was uh, something you're, called. You're speaking my language. Yeah. Yeah, no. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, called Mohama, which is like a dried, like salted and dried tuna loin that you kind of slice. And I, that I first had at uh, Estella that Ignacio would put, Chef Ignacio. Uh, Matos. It's almost like Matos. a charcuterie at yeah. Estella here. In yeah, he would, he would take the dried thing and then microplane it over top of egg but, salad. I mean, is that like salty kind, and is, fishy. Is that kind of like Botarga? No, because Botarga is eggs. This is like whole muscle meat. So this is like okay. tuna loin. But in the same way that is, but in the same way that Botarga is dried and you sort of microplane it over. Sure, stuff. sure, yes. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's slightly less hard. It has like a, it has like a salami like texture. Uh-huh. You know, it's like firm, but like got a little bit of squish to it. So I, I, we've been, we're in the middle of our September clothes. Things are a little crazy. So Brad's been doing most of the leg work. So you want to talk about what, what you've been? Yeah, we, uh, I took the loins. They were pretty in pretty good shape. We trimmed them up just a little bit. And then you pretty much just get like a non-reactive, like a ceramic or glass baking dish. Put a nice bed of salt down, like just like a, I use diamond kosher salt. And uh, you put like about a good two inches on the bottom. And then you put the tuna in and just cover it with salt. And then you put it in the refrigerator for two days. uh, And then you take the fish out, rinse it, put it in a water bath that you soak for a day and a half, two days, changed water. About what, and what does that do? It draws some of the salt out. Okay. So just yeah. so so it's edible. It's not okay. super super yeah, salty. Okay. And then from there, I took one piece, brushed it with a little mirin and soy sauce. Wait, I'm sorry. Just so, so when you have it in the water bath, I assume that's in like the walk-in fridge or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. We keep it in the walk-in, luckily, because we have one. Do you have to change the water or? Do you, yeah, three yeah. times a day. Okay. Okay. That's what I did, and then. From there, I brushed it with just with a pastry brush with a little mirin and soy sauce. Mm-hmm. And then you with a rope, I truss it up and I hang it in the fridge again till it gets the desirable texture and firmness. I, probably about a week, week and a half. And what is the desirable texture and firmness? Not mushy, but something where you could hold it, you could slice it. If you wanted it hey. to be a gradable product, then you would go longer. Longer. But like, right. like right now, you could slice it like brazola or like a good, you know, cured exactly. ham or something. It's only been in there for about two days. Um, so it's still pretty. Yeah, but I bet by the end of the week, it'll probably have it a texture up. where you could, it would be nice and firm and you could slice it like that. How much, how much does the flavor evolve or mature over the course of days? Or is it just the texture that changes? It's got a pretty, it's got a pretty unique smell. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> wow. You're, <laughs> you're really selling it, Brad. I mean, no, not a bad smell, but unique. And, uh, 
Yeah, so the one piece I have hanging now, the other piece I cold smoked today for four hours. At How'd you do that? 75 degrees. We have... That it's doesn't a, sound that cold. As far as smoking goes. Yeah, like it's just compared to hot smoke. Yeah. Compared to hot, yeah. So it's a little perforated metal square that has little lines in it that you load with food grade wood pellets that okay. are compressed pieces, you know, yep. wood pellets. You light it and it burns kind of like a cigarette down the track in the perforated bin. I just take a hotel pan. Uh, I have a little resting rack, a little wire rack yep. that I put in there. I put the fish on it and I put the smoke box on the other side, cover it with foil, and I put a little exhaust vent from the foil right above the tuna so that the smoke travels across the tuna oh, and out. So it leads, we have, we also, it, the, 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 the exhaust vent leads the smoke across by, it and then goes the and then, and and the and goodbyes. It, it should be noted that we have very powerful hood, uh, like very powerful hood ventilation system. Yeah, you're, so you're doing this so, right there under Yeah, this is like happening like okay. feet from where we're you're not sitting doing right now. If you were at home, you'd want to do it outside. outside. By a window. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cold smoking is like more the process by which you would make like lox yes. or like Nova versus like a hot smoked salmon. Or smoked salmon, cheese. Which is a hot smoked salmon is that more cooked through, you kind of chip away at it. Right. Serving Correct. It the, so it's going to have like f- a fully cooked And it's not going to have that, it's not going to have that translucent no, orange right. quality. And so this is going to, at the end, even after it's like smoked and dried, it's still, the texture is still going to be like um, it's going to be have that kind of translucency. So after the cold smoke, again, I brushed it with the soy sauce, which gives it a nice little lacquer yeah. and a nice little Love flavor. And then you hang it in the fridge. But then what do you do with it? After, then, after it's been, it's been well, salted, it's been do. rinsed, it's been <laughs> smoked, it's been lacquered, it's hanging on the fridge. Well, then we enjoy the now, fruits of the labor. So what do you do? How do you, how do you partake in it? You can slice it and eat it on. A, you can put a slice it, put on uh, some rice. You can slice it and just eat it. You can, well, you're, you know, you can you can put it out like charcuterie. You know, yeah. you cut thin slices, drizzle a little olive oil on it. Really, and, you know, just pick it up, put toothpicks in, it. Just, just pick it up. And, and people eat it. do this. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I, the cold smoke just is. It doesn't cook it, but it adds. It just gives it that nice smoky flavor. Right. And uh, just so, try some a little. You know, the idea is, you know, we've got all these kind of. We've tried these different versions with this batch of tuna, and now hopefully the next time that. Kurt Schaefer sends a text message saying he's trying to send 30 pounds of tuna. We'll know exactly what to yeah, do. Yeah, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. Oh, I have a question. All right. Speaking of tuna uh-huh. um, and what we've written about in our magazine before, um, right now in New York City, certainly, and I imagine California stuff, like poke is all the rage. Oh, poke yeah. being the sort of the Hawaiian rice bowl with sort of soy sauce, fresh tuna, like mm-hmm. raw tuna on top. Mm-hmm. Have either of you guys ever made poke? Well, that's sure. what we made when, when the tuna came the first night. When mm. I came in, we made a big poke dinner for some friends. Thanks. No, so, no, I was busy. I was busy. Yeah. Night. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I have a lot going on. I know. I, it's, you know, I, you know, sometimes it's hard for you to get out to Brooklyn. No, it's tough. Yeah, you're yeah. kind of older. So. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, poke <laughs> Got to be in bed by 930. Yeah. So Lauren, you know, cubed the tuna and then tossed it with a little bit of soy, a little, little bit of sesame oil. I think she put a little bit of lime juice in there, a little rice vin. So you're basically just kind of... You're not any, any oil of any sort. Yeah, they're a little sesame oil. Oh, a little sesame oil. Okay. So it's like you know, you're kind of just making a, a. It's it's less acidic than a ceviche because you really want to. You don't want to cook it. Well, and, as I'm saying, so uh, that's what concerned me about the rice. I mean, the the lime that's not going to turn the tuna opaque. But it's like you're doing it a la minute. You're so not doing it so much. You're tossing I, I think, and serving right away. I think right if you away. go to yeah. like a place that is doing uh, in it in quantity, they yeah. probably are going to be really careful about how much yeah. acid they're adding. Because if it's just like you're making it in quantity and then dishing it out to order 
you probably are not going to want to put too much acid because it will turn yeah, drain, it kind of cook. Yeah. Right on the right. plate. So this so, is, but this was like we were we were just making it right. and then serving it immediately. And so, so. you serve it on a bowl of warm short grain rice. Warm short. We we used like an emerald rice, like okay. a jade rice that's like flavored with a little bamboo and has like a nice green color. Um, wow. Fancy. And then They're fancy out there, bro. A little. <laughs> Little kind of spicy mayo, like a wasabi mayo. And with sitch. the wasabi mayo, did you toss it in that or do a little drizzle or how did you apply it? Just like that? a little dollop. A dollop. Dollop next did, to it. And then I think there was some shredded cabbage next to that too. So did you do any scallions? Veg. There were scallions. Yeah. There were scallions. There was a little uh, toasted sesame, sesame, yeah, sesame seeds up on top. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a deconstructed sushi roll, you yeah. know, in, in yeah. a bowl. But it's like, I, yeah, it's, it feels so much less precious than sushi. It's yeah. like you kind of really just get to get it's in there casual. and big spoonfuls. It's simple. Brad, in terms of when you you're uh, an outdoorsman, if I may, a you Jersey may. outdoorsman, um, <laughs> when Jersey you devil. catch fish, and I imagine you do fish and you yeah. catch some big guys now and yeah. then, how often do you like make quote unquote crudo out of that? How often do you do like raw fish sliced? Usually, you know? I do a little bit the day every day, the day of. Uh huh. You know, if you catch something, oh, yeah. you always do a little. You always do a little appetizer of like a little, uh, you know, like a fresh raw fish with yeah. a little. And how will you? How will you? Soy sauce how, little and, soy sauce, but kind of more Asian than olive oil and stuff. Or yeah, or just have? olive oil, salt, and pepper. I like. Yeah. I mean, with that kind of stuff, I really like the little less is more. I don't want yeah. to go yeah. covering it with everything. Yeah. Um, are there I just certain? Just want to taste are the there fish. certain fish that you catch that you think lend itself better to a raw preparation? If you catch a tuna or like you know a nice sea bass or something, that yeah. is going to be more desirable to most people than. Raw bluefish. Yeah, or mackerel. Which I'm not yeah, about. Raw bluefish. I love raw delicious. bluefish. Oh. Most underrated fish in it's the ocean. It's so good. It's got like that kind of really rich. It's like not, it's not a rapo fish. No, it's, it's not like a rapo fish. It's like oily, oily smelly. <laughs> and it has like a dark, it's dark. Yeah, it's got and, bluefish, I think, is one of the, it, fresh is always best. I mean, a couple days, that's it. Then I don't even really want yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, bluefish stewed with a little tomato. And you can get those mm. around here, right? Oh, you can yeah. catch them. Yeah, you can catch them standing on the beach. Yeah, they're everywhere. Wait, have you ever actually caught a tuna? A tuna? No, I've caught albacore, uh, which is tuna? in the tuna family. And where did you catch that? Right, uh, about a, fifty miles off the uh, Jersey coast. Guys, I feel like we could go on and on. Yeah, we can. I know. But I'm getting, I'm literally getting text messages from Andrew Knowlton saying that there are proofs on my desk. So oh, proofs. Those are, the, those are the pages of the magazine right before they go to the printer. Proof so, schmoof. We're talking about fish and Knowlton. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to get going because we got a September issue to ship the Hot 10, Andrew Knowlton and Julia Kramer's Best New Restaurants. But Emil and Brad, thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank As always. Oh, wait. And last part of words. Belle Cushing. Her last podcast. Oh my god! Here at Bon Appetit, our executive producer, Bell, you're awesome. Thank you so much. This podcast has been brought to you by Belle Cushing, Christina Che, and Carrie Polis, with editing by Mitra Kaboli and additional help from Lily Sherman, Emma Wartsman, and Ashley Mason. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, right now we're offering an exclusive deal for you, our podcast listeners. You can get 50% off a one-year subscription to Bon Appetit magazine. That's just $6 for 12 issues. You'll get our current issue plus an exclusive apron, because that's how much we like you. Go to bonappetit.com slash foodcast to subscribe.